Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello. How's everyone doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Hello. How's it going? Good morning. I feel like I've been seeing you guys so often lately. It's just so just, just a feeling, oh, right? It's just you know, maybe it's maybe you're dreaming about us, Tommy. All the fun that we have maybe, together. I think it's a yeah. It's a dream. <laughs> it's a game changer. I feel That's like I'm a dream. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin <laughs> in that. We'll put it. We'll put a pin in that. Yeah, pin, pin it. Pin it. Anyways, um, welcome to Thursday. It's a, uh, I don't know. It's a Thursday. Can you guys believe the the entire month of November is almost over? To me, it's gone by extremely fast. We were talking last week around, we have some episodes coming up in the future here that we're going to have to record. And I was like, hey, we got a whole other week. And Seth's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Next week is Thanksgiving week. I'm like, what? I'm going to be gone this this week from this date to this date. It's like, oh my bro, gosh. Bro, that that's next week. Yeah. 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 Good yeah I was worried about that. I somehow I lost an entire week somewhere and I'm yeah it's crazy I wouldn't, things are going fast know, I'm I'm the same way and I wouldn't call myself like a procrastinator right it's not like I intentionally hold off on doing things it's just all, all of the sudden oh uh that that's tomorrow <laughs> right or or that yes. that's uh that's this week in 3 or 4 days well I suppose I should ask off <laughs> that that is exactly like well and, and People, I mean, I, I do procrastinate, but that's literally what happens to me all the time. Like, oh, wait a minute. What? Something's happening tomorrow. Kept, uh, Kelly, my wife, she has to be reminding me, you know that Monday is like a holiday, right? You know, people don't work on Monday. I'm like, oh, really? And it's like Friday. And I'm like, shoot, I forgot all about that. I guess everyone don't work. <laughs> that that's, that's usually my wife. She's like, you do know that we're doing yeah. this thing tonight, right? I was like, yeah. She's like, I've been telling you every day. Five days. I do. It's I it, do now. Yeah. It's the calendar, and you, you can't use PowerShell as an excuse. No, exactly. If if it doesn't land on the calendar, it's not real. So I'm like, well, I told you about something, something. I'm like, I know. I honestly, I know you did. I probably heard it at the time. I probably even processed it. But right now, there's so much stuff running through the head. I, I cannot remember. I'm sorry. It just if it's not on the calendar, <laughs> please put it on the calendar. I won't know about it. So, anyways, uh. Let's jump into our topic for today. Topic for today is all around data modeling. This is an article that comes from Chad Sanderson off of LinkedIn. Snag the link here and drop it in the window. Thanks, Chad, for your thoughts on data modeling. If you want to read along, feel free to uh, read along with the with the article here from I'm just like a LinkedIn post, I guess it would be. So I guess you'd have to have, be able to sign into this LinkedIn to get this. So here's from Chad Sanderson talking about like the speed of development aligning with um, the tooling that's provided today and then using proper technique to build data models. So what do you guys think? Tommy, kick us off. What are some, any, any key thoughts or maybe give us a summary of the article yeah. first and we'll, and we'll go from there. What's, what's kind of the summary of the article of, of what he's talking about here? Yeah, I think there's one paragraph in particular that I think is really kind of the hot take or really the, um, the yeah, hot take. Go with it. This. this is the hot Too take. Too often, teams confuse the chaos, and he's talking about rapid development or mm -hmm. the infrastructure as either normal or the fault of the data infrastructure team that has not been doing their jobs. In reality, it's a result of years, sometimes decades, of data debt and decay. What I, uh, I feel it's not a mailbag, so it's not Seth. Sorry, I'm like I feel weird doing this. Sorry. Uh, oh yeah. 
Um, <laughs> while it is possible to establish some semblance of a structure by throwing bodies at a problem uh, until people stop complaining, for all but the most well-capitalized businesses in the world, this solution is hopeless and unreachable. We can just hire more data engineers is quickly becoming a running joke. And really, he goes into there's a semantic layer that we do not focus on in terms of like our, our the input of data, the fields, the lot, the business logic. And too often we're just trying to build out reports until it's too late, so to speak. So I don't that's that's what I got out of a lot of that because it's it's a pretty hefty post. So I, I would be intrigued what you guys what stuck out to you. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go further down the article. I would say the part to me, he talks about the semantic layer in some of the middle paragraphs. And then towards the end here, I think he makes a very valid point. And um without the semantic layer, without the ability, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking I'm relating this to what I know. And I feel like I've seen a lot of models that have just tables all over. We've got 35, 40, maybe up to like 90 tables. I've seen some crazy models. Tables all over the place, relationships every which way. It, it's been stuck together so that it works, but it's like there's been no thought on how this should be designed. And then he talks about this later on, about the semantic layer and how important it is. And he goes, um, he says something about complex business rules should be captured semantically. They are instead uh, inferred in a post hoc through hundreds of lines of code. And the context of that business logic is lost over time and Many decisions were made and tweaked based on that information. That, that that describes the challenge. Like, why not have five dimension tables and two or three fact tables? Instead, we have tons of tables with repeating data all over the place. And and there's, you know, we're always taking, oh, well, I need this other data table to link. And you just rip out that table, you do a little bit of manipulation and throw it back in somewhere else in the model. Boom, done. It works. Let's move on. There's all this business logic that's rolled up into this cobbled together semantic layer. And in reality, what we really need is to step back and really design the information. What what are the dimensions? What are the facts? I don't know. That's what it really resonates with me. This is to me, this is spot on. Yeah. I, I think I think there's a layer of data modeling before that that he's talking about too, though, right? Because if we if we look at like what what we're what we have available to us now where we have a lake of information, right? We can, we can consume all of the different areas of business. We can provide a lot of value, but are we taking enough time to create the right data model in, in that structure to build out our semantic layers for reporting, right? Yeah. Like, because yep. it is easy to throw this stuff together. It is now easy to like create a bunch mm -hmm. of pipelines and pull in data are businesses providing enough time to set yourself up appropriately for the future? And I think what's happening here is where this article to me highlights things is it brings up the speed at which we can produce things and the results that the organization wants to see, right? Because to them, if you can produce an answer to something or you can produce value in providing some insights, and you can do that, you know, three weeks faster in a cobbled together way. More often than not, they're like, give it to me three weeks faster. And then we start calling, I think, the the outlier of like this approach mm -hmm. tech debt. 
And I think he brings up kind of a fundamental like pressure that's happening between proper architecting for scale for longevity, mm-hmm. which which takes longer but slows down the immediate insights versus the the I want the information now. You have a very tight dead deadline. You need to give it to me. And I know you can because you've done it in the past. And those things are at odds with one another. So ultimately, uh, like what uh, what happens a lot in the higher level terms, whether it's a semantic model, you know, for, you know, in tabular for models or for, yes. you know, reporting yep. or on the back end, a data model is you find yourselves in a positions where you're solving these business problems in the front end code, yeah. right? And yep. and those layers become much more complex. And then eventually you hit this threshold where you have to you have to deal with the tech debt, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden mm-hmm. you you will have a point where that speed starts to slow down exponentially. And, you know, I mean, to me, it's this interesting conversation of like, how much can you push back and build things properly versus, you know, tooling nowadays that lets you just cut a ton of corners and right. produce results. Well, well I, and I think that's that's the big part for me, Seth, that, that I think was the other thing that stuck out was it's not just the data model and Power BI or what structure you do is the logic and what to use. We've how many times have we said on this podcast at this point, and we will continue to say uh, it, when we we've been dealing with fields that are blank and people blame mm-hmm. the developers who are like, well, you didn't input the data right. And it has to, there's the input of information. And then there's that middle layer where we need the business in terms of how are we, what's the hierarchy? What's our categorization? Are these fields correct? And that does not get solved usually unless a company, like he says, like is very established and has a well-established governance program Mm -hmm. because too often we're not dealing with not just blanks, right? I mean, that's obviously one of the issues. But it's what should we use? What you know, like how do we map uh, salespeople with the regions over time? Uh, how is that managed? How are products managed? All the, that information we do not, the business does not see as like imperative. And then they look at the report, and there's something blank, and we can't report that to uh, you know from uh, to the executive team because it's blank. But who's wanna- supposed to solve that? Well, I'm not sure if it's who's supposed to solve it. I think we know who's supposed to solve it. And I think in the part, the latter part of this article, it talks about here, the very, the very last paragraph, it talks about data scientists, data scientists and analysts. You understand how to shape data and model it for the right output application. And Seth, to your point earlier, which I think resonated with me was, we're, we're, we have been in this mode of delivering things extremely fast and just get it out the door. And, and I, I definitely see this pattern inside organizations where there is there is a as immediate need right now. We we need to start blocking and tackling today to get stuff done out the door. And I think that's there are times and there are periods of time where that has to happen. But the analysts and the data scientists or the the engineering world needs to be very clearly communicating that this is not always the best way to do it and we need time or we need to put on the backlog take some of that tech that off of the plate and really work that down to get to the right answer. Because when you spend the time to, I mean, part of this is, I mean, like I'm coming in as a consultant in most of these cases. So when I show up, 
I don't really understand all of their data or the nuances of their data immediately. So usually it's like they have an immediate need. We've got to figure something out right now. Okay, let's build it. Boom. We build as best as we can. We document as much as we can right away, get the project done initially. Then there's usually additional requests. Hey, we got to do XYZ things. Like, well, let's take a pause here. If you want to add these new things, a better way to do this, like usually it's like relative security. I want to add relative security. Okay, you have 10 one to one models to reports. I can add 10 relevant securities. The better way would be to say, let's sit back, let's take you know a week and figure out what is the model look like. Let's diagnose this, let's rebuild some stuff, let's make some new dimensions and facts. And now I can apply my relevant security in one model, which automatically is used across all 10 reports. And that kind of stuff makes sense. So to me, there's always like this pattern of go fast, deliver value, prove you know what you're doing, and then come back and say, okay, spend some time figuring it out and work off some of that tech stuff as you go. I know that's how I, how I feel like I've been approaching it and it seems like it's been working. Yeah. Thoughts? I, I think, I think one of the, the other challenge areas that this creates is it, it from, from what I've seen, it creates, it, it's harder for, for people to triage data breakdowns, like where, where something happens yes. is in a complex model. 100%. Correct, right? Yeah. So you're 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 actually spending more time figuring yes. out where things yep. may not be producing the appropriate results than yep. you would otherwise. Yeah. Um and oh man, that's, that, a, that's that, a really good that does change, you know, uh your support of going going too too fast too quickly, right? I think I like that. I think there is a happy medium here, right? And there always is. There's always going to be, you know, it's not it, it this is, I think, where there's there is a position between the IT and the business, right? The business always wants things right now, right? Mm-hmm. And where the IT teams typically are the ones saying, "Well, you don't understand how this all works. Your your yep. stuff comes into a queue, and there's bodies, and there's work, and there's time for us to go build this stuff, and it takes time to do that. What are the priorities? And the business is it's all priority right now, like mm-hmm. yeah, but it's not right. And this is where this yes. definitely comes into play where it's like, okay, well, I can produce this for you in a week or we can go further for your future needs, but it's going to take me three. They always will say one week, right? One and week. that's where yeah. I think you have to put yourself in a position where you build it well enough that the tech debt thing is I can, I can pick it up at this point without having to refactor everything. But for right now, this is the good enough phase. When you do that, though, I think that's where the conversation has to keep going with planning for scale or letting the business know that there's a reckoning at some point in time where we are going to have to do this. And what we're doing by skirting the week right now is we're creating two to three weeks of work later on. Yes. Right? Like, that that's where the tech deck conversation comes in or if you're creating known known factors of potential risk in your data modeling and data pipelines that those are visible to the business and when or if some some walls hit where a request hits this point where it doesn't work because we didn't build it that way now it's going to take us four weeks to go build it that way and we'll fix a lot of problems along the way but this request is going to be slow and there's no getting around it. I think that's where that comes in. And you have to kind of go back and forth between, you know, providing value 
in a much faster way than we used to be able to because technology and not only has technology from a speed standpoint in terms of memory and cores just been like gifted right it's kind of like you couldn't do it before because you couldn't waste all the resources now it's like waste as many resources you want right well get get the answer faster throw it out the door right so that now it. i think it yeah. becomes more of a more of a conversation than in the past because the tech debt also was physically we can't do it we don't have enough hardware right like you can't do what you're asking to do without us doing this work and now we can i i like that point and I, I feel like I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate like a phrase here or something that that helps me link or think through this one. Like every step away from that simpler data model is like two steps backwards to get to where you need to be. Right. It's it's like I'm taking one giant step forward and then I need to turn around and take like two small steps yeah. to get like I feel like the far, like the longer we acknowledge or the longer we allow this cobbled together data model to kind of live on, it's just gonna continue to grow and become more complex and become more challenging. And there's a potential for as this thing continues to mutate, at some point people say, I can't support it anymore. There, 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 there literally comes a point in time where you're saying, it is falling over, I cannot refresh it. And at that point in time, heads roll. And that so there, there are times with this, I think where oh, I'm thinking of like, some, example, pro license. You have a model that can only be so large. People didn't really think about the data model, started throwing a bunch of tables at it. We had a whole bunch of crap in there that we're not even using, and it just kept working. And then at some point in the future, someone said, "I can't refresh the model. Help! It's we're we're, yeah. we're I need this report to go out. I can't get it. We've relied on this report. This is important. How do we fix it?" And so that tech dep caught up to that project, and we had to sit down and say, "Okay, let's go through each page of the report. Let's analyze what's going on. Let's rip out stuff we don't need." And then a lot of this was if I just re-engineered the data and instead of having multiple tables loading into Power Query, we, we redesigned the in, the engineering. Okay, we have an exchange rate, great, no problem. Let's let's calculate that in Power Query, get, get the final number that we need and only bring in the final table. We can delete a whole table by not having this exchange rate thing laying around. Like all these things that we could solve by pushing, like again, Max, uh, uh, Matthew Roach's maxim, right? transform the data as far upstream as possible and far downstream as necessary. The DAX got simpler, the, there are less models to, to worry about, the model was refreshing faster, everything got better after we started really designing and shaping the model. But that's relying that the business is working closely on those complex rules and they're well-defined. I think to your point, what continue, if we say good enough or we try to work on the ad hoc or um, in the temporary, what happens is we get farther away from the culture we need. It's it's the ex then the expectation of the business. They're no longer they're less accountable, or they feel less accountable for inaccurate or unscalable data where they're not defining the business rules. Not just once, but as they change. If there's no process in the organization for when business rules are changed and well established, both the business definition and how it needs to be actually calculated then you're gonna run into being ad hoc. We, we had this conversation about kids once um, where if we don't show punishment or we just say like watch TV kind of thing without them cleaning up, try to get them to clean up now where they're not going to. We, they had in the same way with organizations, they're gonna expect the data to come, uh, you know, 
accurate and right. But if they don't, if they're not accountable from the business side and the company does not invest, they're still going to have the same expectation that the data is right, but mm -hmm. without putting in that effort. So the farther we don't have the conversation, the farther that data culture is uh, off from what we want it to be or need it to be. Yeah. Because it's a cultural thing. It's it, not just technology. Yeah, it's a it's a cultural yeah. thing. I think there's there's a data culture that you're building and yeah. working on as it's as it's as you're shaping that. No matter what you do, there's a yeah. culture. Yeah, it doesn't. I agree. This also this also fits in. So we're saying data culture, but at the same time, to me, this this fits into the the level of data maturity, right? And and that doesn't necessarily mean that organizations as a whole care, right? That they may be in this state depending on what the priorities are. Right. Like if you're in and this is where maybe this comes from in a six month thing, because if you if you think about like the last what it, at least five years, like the vast majority of companies were in extreme growth mode. Right. Like, yeah, yeah that's true. Growing dollars and people, at, you know, like into people and innovation and that's true. Rapid build and grow into different <laughs> markets and expand what you're doing. And when you're in that mode, this is not where they care much about like defining the thing and like no Slowing they want they want and... they want things yeah. now they need this information they need to do this thing and and that's where your focus is and that may be shifting now right with economies mm -hmm. you know changing and and you know the tightening of the belts and all of this kind of thing that you start to see across industries where all of a sudden it's like slow down and now we really need to get our you know, our house in order. Now it makes sense that we're going to invest more of our people's time in defining these really core parts of the, the data stream, the data modeling, and then, you know, how we extend that in, you know, facts and dimensions within mm -hmm. our reporting for extensibility, because one of those things would be, I, you need to reduce the support time. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like we can't yep. have something that that is now taking you guys two days to figure out like that's got to be done faster. Let's invest more time in how do we level up in our maturity? And maybe it's only parts of the organization. Right. But we see it because we see a lot of the things across them. But maybe that's where it the cycle of, you know, uh, business priority and focus comes into play here here, too. Right. As opposed to just like it's not negligence. There's a reason and why we're being pushed to do yes and i think i think what i'm i think what i'm also feeling here like i'm, I'm hearing the conversation here at this point we're talking a lot about like those more regulated or governed data sets right so as we again as i think about the organizations or organizations when when power bi is being adopted it doesn't always come top down mm -hmm. power bi doesn't come into an organization typically well actually my my opinion there is power bi does not typically come into organizations top down there's not, there's not, there's maybe an executive who buys into it, but it's a lot of people at the, in the business unit, finding these tools and finding value from it. And then leadership says, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's do this. This is going to work well. This is financially responsible for us to use Power BI. It's, it's a good tool. It's probably, there's other, there's other features of other tools that are also equally amazing, but Power BI is a, a solid tool at the right price for us right now. Let's use that. And it's already and on I, all our computers. And it's already on, and it's <laughs> going to be on all your computers here pretty shortly. So like, yeah, let's use the free tool that's already here. So when I think about that, like, I think there's also a, a comment around this where if we're, if there is good value being created in the business unit, there's also this level of, I think the grow up story that is, is very important for me here. How do I take those reports that are created by 
users and departments and find value from them? How do we identify which one of those are valuable based on views, based on the audience who's looking at it? How do you identify what those are important and then work focus on those to become simplified, better model experiences? And I think to me, this is why I'm so pro on this. We need standards. We need we need um, rules or process around. This is the model you have now. Here's how you grow it up. Here's how we can push it into a certified state. And we add, you know, documentation around it. We add uh, an SLA, a service level agreement. How who's going to own it? Again, we apply a data steward to that thing. We we apply people and process to whatever that data set is, and now it becomes more of this mature thing. So I, I don't want to be so naive to think that like every single report across the entire organization is always going to be this pristine star models. It won't. And we can't expect that it will. But we can have rules around when someone takes ownership of this from a corporate or a central BI location. What what are the rules of engagement to get them to own something? Is it, you see that, what I'm saying there? Like, is that yeah, make sense I, to you? Is, do you I, like that? I, or no? I have an interesting, con yeah, part of that. Let's see if I'm somewhat on the same page. Part of it. Yeah, I like part, part of it. it. Uh, that end part when you said, do you like it? Or be, can we move on? Be happy on? with part of it. Yeah, it's a win. <laughs> it's a win for you. So, but uh, I there's a fundamental difference between doing quick fixes in Excel compared to doing in a Power BI report. And, I, and I'm thinking of the department or the stakeholders thinking, well, I need to group it this way, or can you add this subcategory that we developed in a house? When you do that in Excel, fine. A lot of people like this, they need to see it a certain way. But when we do that in our reports and we're trying to build in this business logic that does not exist anywhere except in that single report, we are furthering set expectations that everything can be solved in Power BI. But that logic, one, is probably not scalable for every situation. And then two, only exists in that report for that team. And I think finally three, then that kind of is taken as gospel. Like that's the subcategory, right? Where to your point, Mike, we, the accountability then falls on us because someone on the team or you don't have the ability to push back to say, well, that category doesn't exist in, in, CR, in CRM. They're like, well, we this is how we look at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you now you have people do it in Excel all the time. You know, they have their own additional logic for, su, you know, subcategories uh, grouping. But when we build that in our reports that now teams are looking at on a daily basis, well, again, if it's in Power BI, then it must be right or it must exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the more ad hoc we do in Power Query, it's as much as it's it's an amazing feature that can get us farther from the truth almost like over on the longer in the longer scale or in the longer term i don't think it gets you further from the truth it's just that your your yeah. challenge of of making sure that those calculations and things align to your definitions as an organization or is a harder exercise later on mm -hmm. right like to to me like i think we're straying a little bit, which is fine, right? Yeah. Like the promotion of reports or opening it up to an audience of lay users that's not, has no idea how to build a model. Like to me, that's a separate discussion as far as like where his oh, articles no, yeah. are aimed, which is more in the enterprise space. Yeah. Because we're taking liberties in the enterprise space, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's where I think the the challenge to me is like, especially when we get out of like, okay, fine, the, the data backend in terms of modeling and, and bringing data 
sources together and you know properly building a warehouse or you know something to that effect before we start building tabular models for reporting i think when we're talking about the reporting model um to me i think it is always important to spend the time to properly model something because you can't you can't buy yourself enough time if it's not properly modeled. Like you're going to start from a position where you instantly have to go fix things. Where I see a lot of shortcuts coming is you're not doing some of the things that you would do in pre pre report modeling, right? Like where I'm going to take a really long ID and I'm going to create a surrogate key, right? I'm going to create a dim that has an integer instead of a GUID. I'm going to, you know, so you throw that stuff through and you take the hit in the compressed model, you, your uniqueness, your cardinality, et cetera, because you can, but that's the sort of thing that absolutely later on is much harder to unwind, right? Like you have to, re, if you're going to refactor your model and then you're actually going to create your semantic keys and, or, you know, your, your surrogate keys and that layer of dimensionality before to reduce your size, reduce your spend, that sort of thing. That's where, oh, great. Well, we're going to refactor something but now we got to test through the existing report and make sure that the modification that we're going to make didn't yep. change anything, right? So yep. that's where tech debt actually takes you longer than doing it upfront because the upfront work includes all the thorough testing, validation of people making sure that your metrics are aligned. And mm -hmm. now you're changing a lot under the covers that you still have to do that again, right? And that's where... The business has to be cognizant that, yes, we can do these things fast, but there's a day of reckoning where we're going to have to address these issues. I'm upfront telling you that as an architect of a solution or um, the decision maker in an area or you're the solo guy that handles everything, mm -hmm. like there, you're getting this at a cost and that cost is something you're going to pay later on, right? It's where I think... Mike gets called in where the folks making that decision didn't write it down well enough. And then an organization's like, Mike, help. What happens? <laughs> like, I mean, you, know, I, you walk in and you're like, like, how, how the heck? Yeah. I've, I've walked into models where I'm like, I, I, I understand you guys need this, but there's literally no way to support this. Like there are so many bi-direction relationships. There's so many ad hoc tables. I will spend more time just trying to understand what was built previously than to actually go figure out what number is actually true in this report. Like I was like, how about we just how about we just start over? Or how about we just like cleanly look at this and say, okay, what is important? Let's talk about just just the exercise of being able to look through our pages on a report and say, what is a dimension and what is a fact? That is a skill that I think is a very basic skill. Even if you don't have a great data model, you can re-engineer a lot of things just by identifying visual by visual what was the fact and what was the dimension. Just doing that, I think, helps simplify a lot of the model because sometimes. Again, um, Kratos BI was talking about earlier. Um, there's a great example around the proof of concept is fast and quick. Get it done. Let's understand what that looks like. But to get that proof of concept into a sustainable, reusable report, that takes some effort and that takes some time. So a lot of times we're just talking about um, just that that initial effort to get started and then yeah, let's build the POC. Let's get things done. Let's get things moving quickly. But we have to make sure we plan for the reusability or you know, now that I understand the design, I can go through page by page in the report, really diagnose what's going on here. And now I can understand, okay, 
I need the data shaped this way in order to support these visuals. I think to me, that's really, you know, sometimes you need two passes on this stuff. And yeah, man, well, I think. Sure. But, but, yeah. So, so that's the funny thing. Uh, like, I just want to make that point. Sometimes you need two passes. You look at any like recommendation of uh, proper development. Yep. And they're they're like never go with the first pass, right? Mm -hmm. And really, what we're doing is we're going with the first. We're saying, "Here's your first pass. Mm -hmm. We might do two and three, but we're releasing three. And in reality, what like a lot of you know development theory is is like, no, you should be doing five and six before you actually put it into production. And those five and six steps, I think, are what we're talking about, where we get it to a point good enough that it's gonna it's gonna support the needs of the business with known deficiencies. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think too, no, 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 I, the, I, it's a really good point because again, and you're thinking as the consultant coming in where, you know, it's like, like they're obviously paying you for your opinion, which is wonderful. But I think a lot of, a lot of developers out there, whether they're on smaller teams and a majority of organizations, right. That have the data analysts, they don't have that authority to push back yet. And we've talked about the authority side before, and they can shout from the mountains every day. This is untenable. This is untenable. This is untenable. But if they, if there's no one else who's going to listen to them at the end of the day, it's going to break. And at the end of the day, it will be on them. And I, I think that a big part, there's a lot of pressure that comes in. It's like to add something that maybe needs to be part of a greater model or needs to be part of that semantic layer that they're even hearing from their, you know, their upper management. It's like, well, you already have most of the data. Just add this extra piece. So th there's this weird balance too between the governance side and how much we push back towards the, you know, being able to be flexible. And I think that's where I'm kind of in between right now. Of I don't know if that makes it too much like how much, well that relates, but we have to be flexible. But at the same time, we don't have. Developers, a lot of times in-house, don't have the full support to push back on things that need to go through that process because it takes time. It takes but time and technology. I, I agree. Wanna, yeah. But it does. It. But you have the ability to push back when you clearly define what kind of report this is. Is this an enterprise-governed report? Or is this just an ad hoc one-off report for this department? To me, I think that's that is the that is the wedge or the lens because... If you went to any executive and say, hey, look, this report will be used by 90% of our company. Do you want these numbers to be right? He'll say, yeah, sure. Make sure that it's right. Right. If, when you can. And, and I think part of this, too, is. If you don't start monitoring. Who and what is being looked at in your Power BI tenant, I think you're already working from a loss mm -hmm. at some point. Right. Because the data of the usage of the reports should indicate to you where the time should be spent. Right. Even if the model is horrible, if the report's getting views, if it's being used by the right people, the executives or whatever leadership in there, that means people are starting to trust it, right? So to me, I'm thinking like, no, I would rather have like, I will, I will bucket that report. Is this a highly governed report? Is this at the enterprise level that we got to be very careful about it? And I push back on those, but there should be a few of them. There's not a ton, right? And the further down you go that, that, that scale down to like departmental or even personal BI, there's less regulation, there's less controls, build what you got to build. So I, I feel like, it's, again, I, I feel like I keep saying this all the time. It's, a, it's To me, it's like a spectrum. 
there's places where it needs to be controlled. There's places where it doesn't have to be as controlled as much. And I can't always assume everything needs to be, you know, rock solid all the time, 100%. I don't know. What do you guys think? So, yes, I agree. But I'm also addressing, like, two points Tommy made, right? Like, okay, one, I yeah. think some of some, like... Comments I made around the, the data ops, right? Chat started mm -hmm. defining that data ops. These, these were actually things Marco Russo was talking about in, mm -hmm. in um, our meeting with him. So I'm regurgitating some of the same things that I agreed with in, in his comments. But I think it's really important to make this point. I don't like the, the term pushback, right? I, like it's not our, it's where you create animosity, not animosity. And then um, anemones? Between, I'm anonymous. between business and IT, right? Like you're in this role where you have some technical things you need to develop and build. Mm -hmm. And you're now saying, I'm upset because business isn't letting me build the thing the, the way I want to. They're incurring risk in the future and they don't know anything about what we do. And and that that tone, I don't think is valuable. What I think is valuable is that one, we the hard line in the sand in what we build is we build something that works well with known deficiencies right like we're making a conscious choice or we're putting it out there that there's a possibility that you get something faster versus not and either don't have that discussion unless pressured right if you're saying five weeks in business is like that's ridiculous like i need it in three make some sacrifices right you, you don't, I would staunchly say, like, you don't build something that's going to fall over, right? Correct. Like, that is poor architecture. We that is poor development that, yeah. practices. Yeah, 100%. Right? Don't start there. So your, you your starting point should be, this is going to work, but I know that in the future, we potentially are incurring risk. And that risk has to be quantified and communicated. Yes. And what I mean by that is, like, this isn't a pushback thing. This is This is us talking. This is you saying, Tommy, uh, Seth, I want you to go build this thing, um, this report. It needs to do these things. Here's the insights I need. And you need to do it in a three-week timeline because uh, the sales guy already guaranteed to the customer that we uh, have this. Well, I, you realize you're putting me in a position where I'm not doing the estimation. My estimate, based on what you're asking, is five weeks. I can't do it all in five weeks. Mm -hmm. I think there's a path for three However, the fallout to that decision made by somebody else is there's now three additional weeks of work that I'm going to create and I'm going to track and mm -hmm. I'm going to communicate to my boss and the business that, yes, we can meet this deadline. Yes, we can provide what the business needs, but at a cost. And that additional cost is, right, and mm -hmm. the communication of up that upfront and business is going to be like, I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. That's fine. And right. Yeah. And that's fine. But nor do you care about it until you have to. Right. Or the mounting stack of tech debt, you know, has to becomes part of a conversation where it's your job to keep just bringing that up saying, hey, I don't care what stack of work I, I, I have, but I've identified that there's a lot of things in our organization that we want to fix. Do we want to devote some time towards that? Because we've cut corners for a number of reasons, and a lot of them are valid, right? Meeting tight customer timelines, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But there's a day of reckoning. And sometimes that day of reckoning comes out of nowhere, which is disruptive to plans, right? 
you had a project, you're supposed to go, you know, do blah, blah, blah. But the thing you built a year ago that had tech debt on it, which was, hey, we're going to throw in these IDs instead of building, you know, surrogate keys. And we were running out of space. We have to go solve that problem. Now you're now your current projects are delayed. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's not coming out of left field and it shouldn't communicate to it. Yeah, right. this, shouldn't, this shouldn't be a surprise to people yeah. when it happens. I, I think what's important, Tommy, is that this become part of a conversation between the, the areas and that business recognizes that there should always be a percentage of time that's slowly carving away when we don't have all these rapid fire drills or mm-hmm. the things that are taking front and center all the time. Or as you schedule people out, you need to weigh in like, okay, I'm only going to devote X amount of time for this effort or net new enhancement. And now I'm going to, you know, also dedicate a bunch of time for this, you know, area over here, which is my tech debt bucket that just continually grows because I'm making decisions to support the business needs. But at the same time, it's at a detriment sometimes. So I want to press into this a bit because everything you're saying is to me, like from a theoretical, like a hundred percent correct and what should be done. I mean, this is part, this is, this is be part of the playbook. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring it. I'll bring it. But you are, I think there's an assumption that there's a good culture. So when that bucket does spill, it spills on the right people. I think, you know, if you do not have the right culture or even a culture that has this established where there's other people for the data that are accountable besides the data analysts um just throw me off but uh <laughs> like when that bucket eventually does spill over or fall over when that becomes an untenable situation well who's going to get blamed who's going to get uh um where's the accountability going to be it's event it's to me without a ideal culture or established data culture that's always going to fall on the developer or that's always going to be falling on the data the uh the data developer or the power bi developer no, and no. even if they've shouted from the roof rooftops because you know what it begins to sound like until it breaks like the boy who cries wolf and unless there's that accountability and i think a lot of time i if you don't have that support and you don't have that management side who's also accountable for these things there's a Yes. And I, okay. So if you're, if you're a standalone and you're saying, even if you're well, a team, okay. So, so, well, this is, this is where, okay. I agree with accountability and support. If you're an individual that is saying, Hey boss, we need to create a tech debt item for these things because blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. And then it comes back on you as the developer. Yeah. You're not being supported. Right. Like, yeah. yes, there's an, there's an individual that's accountable and whoever's making the decision to like, shortcut on some level is responsible for owning that decision to shortcut as opposed and delivering on time versus not delivering on time and building it right right like ultimately you somebody's you have, already you have to right. yeah. there. if it comes it comes around and what i'm saying what's important here is tracking and making sure yes. you catalog the tech debt right way and just make it part of the conversation. Yes. This isn't like so that when the time of reckoning comes, because with tech debt, it always comes at some point in time. It either means hopefully it's not like a, a dumpster fire, right? But it's going to be like some project mm-hmm. in the future is now going to take longer, right? Right. Yeah. Because 
because then it's part of the conversation. Hey, you guys remember we delivered this thing, you know, in, in three weeks, whatever, like, and you don't even need to understand like a year ago, that was the reason it's just, we have this, this piece of, you know, tech debt that, that gets rolled into this new project because we can't do it without it. Then it's yes. not an option anymore. It's not tech debt. It's a requirement for you to produce the new thing. Whereas before you didn't have that requirement, you were able to make the shortcut and sometimes, like I said, in sometimes these you can't take the growth shortcut. mode, yeah. it's okay to do that. Yes. But it's like the blame game of like, well, you know, if, yeah. if, if things come back down on you, like if you've done these things and you can articulate that, yeah, this is just, we've known about this. All of this, this is work yeah. that hey, needs by the to way, be done. I talked to you about this last changes, month when, we, when you made this yeah, decision. That changes yeah. the conversation. Totally it's, does. And then, and then if it's still like, well, that's unacceptable, and you're fired. Fine, man. Like you There's wouldn't an, want to be in there that well, organization anyway, right? Like, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm being yeah, flippant, yeah, but like, yeah. there's ways around like not being in a hot pressure seat, and the way you do that is you you have an idea of what's going on in the area. Whether you're a solo developer, you're cataloging mm -hmm. these tech debt things. They're part of the conversation, and they're things that you want to do to enhance the business. And at some point in time, like, yeah, these decisions stack up and they will result in additional work, right? I'm thinking of that Gartner, whatever is like the promote the product thing where this is usually when we are developing, there's that expectation rise. And oh, the trough tech, of disillusionment. The trough of disillusionment yes. where I think a lot of times, especially when one person or uh, three people at a large company can build all the reports, everyone's like, they sure. solved it, right? So that idea of this is going to be untenable at some point, because the bucket doesn't necessarily always spill, it might get some holes. And eventually over time, like, yeah, there's everything you're saying, I completely agree with. There needs to be the documentation and the effective communication on what tech debt is. That's and not theoretical though. That's not theoretical, but I'm saying what actually happens is the accountability. You may communicate it and you may document it, but that's what a, I'm saying, that's all your responsibility would, is. And I would, and I would say I, one of two things. Then I would say one of two things. One is you're in a toxic work environment where find a new job. Or two, you haven't clearly articulated or communicated that bucket of work and mm -hmm. owned your area enough to be able to, to communicate that to the larger business. But usually I don't own who's in. So this goes like to data stewards to me. Where if there's no other accountability for the data coming in and it is relying on the reports that they see and that's it, right? I cannot hire a data steward. I can voice my opinion that we need the accountability on the teams, right? Okay. Right. Okay. Like, and I I, and I can, shifting, yeah. shift, shifting, right? So I, but again, I that's 100%, not your problem. You just communicate I, there's a problem. Exactly. It's, I 100% not on you. Right? No. You define, but, define, listen, like you are part of an organization. You work with other teams, right? I, I, I think I, I get where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Um, if something goes wrong in a report, it's always our problem. Always. We're like However, program management. We have all the responsibility. Are we the ones that are responsible for the problem and responsible for the fix? A lot of the times, no. Right? And if you're addressing like um, issues where it's other teams, but it's the report's problem, then that's where like communication, I think, becomes even more important. important. Because it's like, no, like, no, the report is fine. Everything works in the report. Uh, we've identified the problem. It's over here. This team is addressing that problem. Right. And when they put the fix in, 
the report will be will be fixed. That that should be a well well known quantity of like shifting gears across the organization as far as like where things are are breaking down. Is that more what you're talking about? No, that's dead on. And I think it's established accountability, like established responsibilities too. where, and I, maybe I'm thinking more on like the lower level of maturity where there's that initial adoption power BI. Usually that's not part of, that's part of it where all the data is assumed to be owned. That's on the front end. That's what's consumed is what's correct. And that's all can be fixed by the BI team or the data team. When there's the lack, no, you're spot on. So I've sp- I've spoke enough on this. So, but uh, I want to I want to f- throw in a term here. The, the chat has kind of moved on a little bit, but I want to bring it back here just very briefly. Donald talks about sometimes we're acting like data waiters. Hi, you know, you're you're, you're <laughs> someone sits down to a table and they're just ordering piles of data to be brought to them. Can you bring me sales data for this? Can you bring me, you know, HR data for that? Can you? Can you, can you, and like, I feel like to me, if we don't watch it, we, we get to a point where we we're acting like a data waiter, as opposed to like a data engineer or a data analyst or a report builder. Like there's, if we don't be careful around it, we, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't add value. We just start grabbing data and, and getting data back to people. And I think this is really speaks to where I, f- I feel firmly about this observation is there's two ways people want data. They just want access to it or they want insights on it. Right. So what, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and yeah, Mark's talking about, are you, are you the data chef or are you uh, the, the data waiter? Right. What do you want to be? But, or the line cook so, more or the, or the line cook so, or right? Yeah. Like, who you're, knows? you're just, you're, you're showed how to do one thing. And you you, can you just do the one thing over and over again. So I think, I think there's a lot of relevance here to, to make sure that we have these conversations. Um, you know, I think we're getting closer closer on to the end of time here. So I want to kind of start thinking about wrapping up here, but I think for my final thoughts kind of around this topic is, is that, you know, the data and the data process, I really liked your point, Seth, around document what you're doing, communicate upwards around these, where we cut corners, write in a backlog, add those items. As you learn about these things, as you learn about where things were, you know, it, there's no better time to do it when you're building the the exercise of the model right do it right there as soon as you think about it make a list and then when you present these to management or leadership and they're like nah we don't want to do that just document yeah we, we reviewed this it didn't work out right now and then just document your notes because then when you come back later on and this becomes a problem potentially we can actually have a real conversation around like well we've already we've already discussed it it's not a surprise right it's not a surprise to people we've already talked about this and you're bringing it up again so you may have to bring up these topics multiple times, I think, before some of the stuff sticks. Anyways, that's kind of my final thoughts. Tommy, final thoughts. Yeah, and I think if some of it sounded negative before, I I really want to establish, too, to your point, too, with the data waiter, data chef, mm-hmm. we can, it, it's, we have the ability to affect or nudge behavior to where people are just expecting data dumps or people just expect the data to be right. How we in a sense, provide that service, right? Where, whether we're just like, yeah, sure, here's the data dump. But if we start implementing process to assess point two with the accountability, with the communication, and we establish that upfront on there's the, you know, there's in a sense, this not not the strongholds, but there, there are barriers for certain things that we know we will not, we cannot um, budge on. We can uh, begin to affect behavior and allow people to, rather than just data dumps to think about 
insights and to think about, oh, wait, you're right. This, you know, this team is accountable for this, but it's our job to be consistent and um, conscious on how we affect the behavior. So, yeah, I think what's important is it, regardless of if you're the developer, obviously, if you're an architect or, or leader, right? Like you need to be able to have an, a high level understanding of your data ecosystem, like where you want, not just management of your data ecosystem, but have an overall plan of like where you, like plan to get where you need to be because that will help you figure out like where where the good breakpoints are for like delivering short and then being able to pick up with tech debt tech debt mm -hmm. um but ultimately like still build scalable solutions right build solutions that that get you to a point where it, it is an easy tech debt fix right it may incur time but at least you're not refactoring an entire system right there should be specific points that you're making a decision where that 80 20 rule of it's 80 percent of the way there that 20% is going to cost us an extra week if we don't do it right now later on. But here's what that is. And then catalog that. Get those work items into yeah. the normal work streams, into the normal conversation so that when things aren't on fire all the time or things are slowing down a bit, you can get them into, into your workload where it's like, yeah, we're going to continually hack away at that, that over time so that hopefully there is no business impact. Um, and then we can deliver in a short period of time, but then also fix things at, you know, in, in a, at a later date. I'm dying on these chat comments. Everyone's throwing in like a little, uh, <laughs> the the PPU section is like the old smoking section. we bring section. in food. Oh man, food it's or great. Restaurants, man. Tommy, crazy. you've had some good ones here. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this this section is only reserved for explicit measures. You know, it's only explicit <laughs> measures served in this I'm table. sorry, sir. You can't sit here unless you have a, you're with a real relationship. So <laughs> this this table has a $5,000 minimum. No data was served until you have paid <laughs> yeah. one P1 SKU, please. It's called, yeah, it's called premium PPUs over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Reservation for uh, multi-direction relationships. Sorry, denied. You don't. You, you can't come yeah, into this restaurant. That's another restaurant, sir. We don't <laughs> you need to dress up. Yeah. You need to dress up more. You're you're too down yeah. for this restaurant. I'm sorry. You need to go somewhere else. We're single relationships. Only. Subway will take you down there. We we will not let you in this restaurant. <laughs> uh, tonight is There's in memory a, only. We don't allow our query. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tonight is only spaghetti nights. Uh, all your models must look like spaghetti. <laughs> Excellent. Really good analogy. Thank you very much for the chat. Uh, super engaging chat window. Uh, really thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, as a part of the podcast, we really appreciate the audience. You guys are super fun. I really enjoy talking with everyone and, and hearing the feedback from people and, and how this resonates with you. Um, our only ask as the podcast um, is to, if you don't mind, please like, favorite this this video. It helps us, uh, it helps the YouTube algorithm. I don't even know what that means, but everyone says it, so I'll say it too. So help the YouTube algorithm uh, push the video up and we can get some more views on it. If you don't mind, on social medias, please share this video. Let people know that you liked it and you found some interesting points around it. Um, hopefully added some entertainment, but also some value to your day. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find it on Apple, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on all the podcasts so you can get the latest episodes coming to your inbox um, as soon as they're uploaded and configured. To Mike's point, please spread the word. When we see you guys sharing online saying oh, hey there's a great That's, insight here yeah or, super you know, good i mean it, it again we do this because we really just love talking about this stuff but man you guys really are a boost to us so and yeah. if, if everyone does it maybe we'll do three times a week yeah yeah oh boy tommy now you're pushing it <laughs> yeah now you're pushing it you miss us that much right I, I really <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you very much everyone we'll see you in the future